0: Hello, and welcome to Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, and I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily, the number one online career growth club. I'm helping 1 million people grow their careers, and that includes executives just like you. I coach a community of executives inside Work It Daily, where we talk about what it means to be an executive, how we can build our executive networks, and how we can take our executive careers to the next level. So get ready. We're about to share content only an Executive Insider can bring to the table. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell. I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily. And today I'm going to be talking to HR and recruiting executive Andrea Bjorkman. We're going to be talking about what executives need to know about workplace culture hot, hot topic these days, especially with everything that's going on in the economy, in the world. This is a subject that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. So we're going to get right down to it. Why are we talking to Andrea? Well, pretty exciting stuff. She actually wrote this article for us over at the Work at Daily site. And it was interesting. She outlined the six things that you should be considering around workplace culture, purpose, opportunity, success, appreciation, well-being, and leadership. And this got tremendous views and traction with our audience. So we thought it would be a good opportunity to bring Andrea here so that we could talk more about this. Hey, Andrea, how are you? I'm great. How are you, JT? Good, thank you. Listen, before we start asking you all these questions, tell me just quickly that, you know, the overview, how did you get into
1: HR and recruiting? Well, I actually came from the business side, which I think makes me have a little bit of a different slant and a good one. I just really saw that I was always leading teams and I felt that I was very passionate about what I could do for my own team. And then it was viewed by my supervisors that, hey, we need to take this experience and expand it further. And so I was able to do that, but bringing that business acumen to whatever I was doing on the HR side.
0: You know, it's funny you say that in my many years of HR and recruiting, I have noticed that when we bring people from the business side over to HR and recruiting, to your point, they're far more in tune because you've actually done it. Right. You've been there implementing the HR and recruiting practices within your unit. So you have a much stronger perspective. I also find it interesting. You and I both know one of the biggest parts about choosing managers is that a lot of times managers are great at the job, but not necessarily great people person. You know, they're just not good with their staff. So anytime we see somebody come over to the HR recruiting side, we know you probably nailed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we're going to talk about that today because I think that's a big part of it is that having managers, executives that we're talking with today, understand and appreciate what they need to do to build these cultures, these places where people want to work and want to stay working. So let's get down to some questions because we've got six of them that we want you to hit on today. So the first one is, can you share an example where recruiters can make or break a candidate's view of their company's culture? What's happening so early on in the hiring cycle that potential employees are forming an opinion that they should walk away?
1: Well, if you've done your research, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which we should be, right? We understand the culture. If transparency, let's say accountability, if those are values of the culture and yet the recruiters Recruiter is following those. That's, an, I mean, if they're ghosting you, perhaps they're not understanding that, living that culture. And the best ones, you know, that they're really good ambassadors of the company. You can see that right away. And also, if they're asking you questions about both fit and experience, that says an awful lot. You are chasing them versus them chasing you in this high, high employment. And how difficult recruiters have these days with the 50% plus whatever it is today, it keeps changing all for the positive. They have to really do a better job than they've ever done before. And it's understanding that culture and being able to share it and finding the candidates that fit into that culture.
0: It's so funny you say that because there's a lot of people in recruiting, but I don't, to your point, they're not doing recruiting well, you know, and not seeing themselves as in going into a partnership with the employee. You mentioned ghosting, probably the number Mm -hmm. one complaint that I hear within the Work It Daily membership base that are actively job seeking is the ghosting drives them nuts and it just makes them resent and not ever want to look at a job at that company again, because if you're treated that poorly in the beginning of the process, what will it be like when they get there, right? Exactly. I mean, they are the telltale sign and they can make or break it. Absolutely. So let's talk about as a candidate then flip it over for us. How can a candidate assess a potential employer? What are some of the things they should be looking for in
1: that recruitment experience? Well, they definitely should be doing the research, ask the same questions to everyone you talk to. Things like, how do you describe the culture? Name the three things you like the best and why. What brought you to the company? I'm a learner, so I always ask this question. What's the best thing you've learned? And then make sure you're asking about development opportunities because companies are now finally realizing they need to offer those for career growth. Get to know each person you talk to as much as you possibly can. You're looking for, actually, you're listening for consistency in what you're hearing. For senior executive conversation, I ask, things like, how much time do your department heads spend training and developing your employees? 25% is a really good percentage. I don't hear that very often. And if you're talking to the CEO and or the owner of a company, I always ask how they prioritize customers, employees, and themselves. I had a recent conversations with the CEO and his answer was himself was first. Wow. I think that would make me run for the hills. It did. And in retrospect, when I looked back and thought about what I heard from the other folks prior to talking to him, it was all there. Do you get like
0: a gut feeling when you're going through it? You can almost sense something feels off. Does that make sense? You leave and oh, go, okay? Yeah. they said the right things in a way, but it still felt off.
1: Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's crazy, but it happens. And then this is, you know, not every culture is right for every person, right? So talk to us about how do you educate and coach leaders then about the importance of maintaining the workforce culture? So, you know, you mentioned this, you came from the business side, something inherently in you knew that it was important to build culture and focus on people and not just their
1: work, right? right. But how do you get other leaders to embrace that? How do you get them to recognize that? Well, first you need that support and understanding from the top down. And sometimes that can be a challenge, but as long as you have that coming down, you know, from the very top and that they're living the culture and they're being consistent. And sometimes and I've had to do this where I've written the communication points for our CEO to say, I need you to say it in this way. And this is why. And it's really about just getting them a better understanding, getting them to try something different that they've never done before. Hopefully a company has an employee opinion tool, some sort of an assessment tool that then the results are shared with leaders and the leaders are held accountable for those results and a lot of times and i think we kind of touched on at the beginning a lot of times we hire leaders we promote people into leader positions that are really good on the business side, but know nothing about the people side. And so you have to help them understand and coach them along the way and provide development opportunities, a lot of mentoring, peer mentoring, that kind of thing. My last position, one of the major initiatives that I was accountable for was to improve our culture. What we did was we determined through the assessment tool, through additional focus groups and individual interviews that our leaders were lacking what they needed to truly help build that culture and be the best leader possible, and it, which would then lead to the employee engagement that we needed. So we then decided to do quarterly leadership meetings. And it, the focus was on them to better equip them, to make them more confident so that they then could do the same for their employees. And it made a huge difference in the results after we you know did the tool again.
0: I love this concept of surveying. I think companies are afraid to do it because they're afraid to get the results. I think we have to be careful, right? Because if we do survey, then there's an automatic assumption on the part of the employees that some something's going to be done. So I love your story because that sounds like that was always the assumptive that something was going to be done based on the result. I'm curious really quick, how did the leaders take it when, you know, basically it was called out that they were deficient? So here's a radical question for you. How are you supposed to know the best way to design a career that suits your unique needs? few of us were ever exposed to useful advice to help us make good career decisions. In the past, only pro athletes and wealthy CEOs could afford career coaching. Work It Daily was designed to disrupt the career coaching industry. We provide 24-7 access to career coaches for less than the cost of a gym membership. Like most professionals, you've likely struggled at some point to find a job or grow your career in a way that makes you feel happy and satisfied. Work It Daily can help you make sense of what to do next in your career. Career planning can feel daunting and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way. Work It Daily will provide you with the structure and answers you need to take action and get the positive results you're looking for from your efforts. Because we know you have better things to do than stress about your job search or career growth strategy. You'll find us online at workitdaily.com or in your phone app store. That's Work It Daily. W-O-R-K-I-T-D-A-I-L-Y.com. Visit to learn more or sign up today and get started with our career coaches immediately.
1: How did they respond? The majority of them took it pretty well, and there were a few that did not, and they were not appropriate for the role. A couple of them chose to do it on their own. They realized, you know what, this isn't me. I'd rather be that subject matter expert and lead teams from a project perspective, but not as a leader.
0: Well, and that's huge. I think something that you're really speaking to here as we're listening to you talk about this is that management and leadership, it takes a certain kind of person. And Mm -hmm. we still today, it amazes me, I've been in this industry for how long? We still put people in because they're the subject matter expert, as you said, when really they just don't even wanna be doing the leadership part. No. (laughs) No, It's just not in their wheelhouse. So it's interesting. So what role do employees do you think play in the building of a culture? Because if leadership's dictating it, and deciding what kind of culture do employees have
1: a say in this and if so what is it i believe employees should have a say in it they should help build that culture and help maintain that culture they need to live it they need to truly live the culture the company's values the mission all of those kinds of things so there was a best company culture contest so to speak last year and sales loft they were in the top five of the mid small companies this quote from the employees was co-workers are vulnerable don't fear conflict commit to doing things and follow through, have high standards and are focused on results. Whoa. Those are the kind of coworkers I want to spend my time with. And that said a lot about the company and why they were in the top five. And I think they've got to be able to be a part of the process, whether it's figuring out some artifacts, some posters, some kinds of things that you want sitting around your office, around your building. They need to be a part of deciding how to reward employees for being part of that culture, how to celebrate that culture. I think the real telling sign of that it's working is when they are automatically, without being rewarded, referring employees that will fit the culture. And they want to do that because they want to share their positive experience and they want the company to be even more successful. And I've seen that happen in specific departments not necessarily, at least from the companies I've been at, not necessarily the whole company.
0: You know, that list that you gave is so interesting. The one that stuck out to me is high standards. Yes. The employees were saying that, Yes. right? Yeah. So to yeah. your point, that's exactly the kind of people I want to hang out with. I do love this idea though, of you saying to get their buy-in It's about getting them to decide how this should be executed upon and showcased and validated. And they're the ones that have to live out the culture. Someone can dictate the culture, but they have to be the ones to live it. So give them a say in how that happens. I love that. Why do you think that sometimes departments are really successful? Why do you think it's so elusive for a company to build a complete workforce culture where every department's on the same page?
1: Well, I think it depends on the size of the company. To me, it's meant that they don't have all the leaders of the different departments where they need to be and not taking the time to develop those leaders or make moves if necessary. Not all the leaders are on the same page.
0: Right. It's not starting at the top and getting them consistent across the board. So one of the things you talk about in the article, which again, folks, make sure you check out the link, read the awesome article that Andrea wrote. You talk about, you know, weekly one-on-ones and the importance of connecting with employees. What should that weekly one-on-one time with employees look like in your opinion?
1: It's really easy. For instance, very rarely should it be rescheduled or canceled. Nothing says, I don't care, than that to an employee. But I'm talking 15 minutes where you're just asking questions like, what's going on? How are things going with you? What do you need from me? How can I help you? And then questions that I ask that really then turn into their expectations. They bring it up without me even having to ask the question is, what are some things that I should be doing more of? and or less of to help you succeed. You know, they come prepared to the meetings. It's not a performance evaluation. It's not those kinds of things, but it's feedback both ways and making sure that you are providing whatever it is that your employee needs.
0: That makes total sense. It's funny, though, how many bosses don't do that on a regular basis. I mean, you're suggesting once a week, which I love. But I mean, there are some that, you know, a month can go by and they literally haven't had a conversation like that. They're just banging out the workload. Any tips on how to structure that? Because I've had them say, I'm just too busy.
1: How do you advise leaders to make that time? I keep going back to accountability. If their leadership is not holding them accountable or not modeling it, that's an issue, right? What we did in my department, at least we tried it, was got our CEO to say that every Tuesday at 11 o'clock, we're going to all have these 15 minutes with our direct reports. Mm. For a while, it really worked. And then things started getting you know, crazy. A lot of work had to get done, but people don't understand that that is part of the work. And we would have groups that would hold each other accountable.
0: It's interesting you say that because I've seen situations where you start that way in order to train everyone. Just having that weekly time over time, they all started to communicate. So maybe you don't need to keep it after a while because you know it's getting done in other ways because you started it, right? You got that process going. So sounds to me, based on what you said, work got busy, so something was working, (laughs) right? That's amazing. So what needs to be done to ensure that culture is right and contributing to the business goals? Because that really leads into what you just discussed as an example. Obviously that tactic worked. Culturally, it worked. It resulted in great business. What else has to be done so that you know that it's going to work for the business and not against it?
1: Well, you have to continue to look for opportunities for improvement. You want to make sure that the culture today is what's going to be the culture you need for the future. And that's all about tying it to the business goals, right? And it's also making sure that wherever possible, having your employees have direct firsthand experience with the customer so that they understand the constantly changing needs of the company and they can help write some of that. If your financial results are good, you probably don't look at your culture, but if your engagement scores are mediocre, you should be looking at your culture because your financial results will not continue to be as good as they were. It's going to happen. So you have to continue to monitor both the employee engagement results and your business goals and your financial goals. And then always looking for opportunities to improve and to innovate and bringing, as we talked about earlier, your employees in as part of that process. They're the ones that are going to bring these things up. And we just have to give them that opportunity and listen to what they have to say and take
0: action where it makes sense. I absolutely love it. So now I want to take some questions because I don't want to hog up all the time and only be the one answering questions here. And we'll do that in a second. But I do have one more based on that, (laughs) which is what do you do when you inherit a culture that isn't hitting the mark? What's some of the first steps you would take when you realize that you get there and you go,
1: oh, okay, this culture needs an overhaul? Well, I did that, um, moving from one department at my previous employer to another, and I wasn't in the role to do this, and I had to tread very softly, but I started having conversations with like-minded folks, and then we started bringing things forward and talking to our senior managers. Then, because we had a uh, company-wide assessment tool, we could then ask, can we benchmark against other departments that are doing very, very well? Well, then we wanted to be competitive, right? So that just got the whole ball rolling.
0: I love it. And I love that you didn't just waltz in and tell them yeah. that stuff was wrong. You know, and yeah. this isn't working. It was more, let's show them, right. let's get some data, let's prove it to them so they don't dismiss it right? Which is the biggest thing. Okay. So we have a question here from Todd. Todd is asking, what do you do when you have a leader who is dismissing the need to change the culture and saying instead, it's the people that need to adapt to the existing culture. What do you do in that situation?
1: Well, we had one of those and Todd, great post yesterday on diversity and what we should be doing. Thank you for sharing that. I had an individual, he was a vice president of one of our departments and he came from outside the company. He was, successful business-wise for a period of time. He wanted to kind of close in his department from the rest of the group and started doing things on his own. It was causing a lot of damage. And a lot of concern within his own department, as well as the entire company. So we had lots and lots of conversations. He was given many, many development opportunities. A lot of coaching, executive coach, all of it. And finally, and it took about two and a half years, he was asked to move on. He was demoted. Before that, we cross-pollinated. So we would bring in managers and directors into his area from Other areas that we knew could help build the right culture and change things, and that didn't work either.
0: That's unfortunate. And I think it's great to hear that the company recognized that. They certainly tried to do everything they could, but they understood that this was you know, at the cost of everybody else. That makes sense. Sometimes yeah. you need to make those changes, which leads to a question from a So a says, I run a department and another department head is in the process of trying to build out their own culture. Mm-hmm. And as a result is a bit more flashy than me. And therefore my staff, my employees keeps bringing up what this other department head is doing in their department, but that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. She's asking I think what do you do when it's almost like departmental cultures are competing? Yeah.
1: And that shouldn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. But it sometimes does. As the example I gave, I wonder, is there somebody that could be about your proxy that would help dial it up a bit? kind of a happy medium. You're more comfortable and it's getting done if the employees are really looking for that. I don't know. I know we've had to, you know, I've had that experience and I've certainly had to do that with senior management. Our CEO was a CFO. You know, he was your stereotypical accountant and I had to really coach him along. And then there were times where I'd have to say, Mike, how about if we have Eric do this part in this meeting? Would you be more comfortable with that? And he said, yes.
0: Yeah, I think it's great that she's recognizing that. I think it's interesting that the employees are latching on mm-hmm. to a different culture. I think that does probably say something. The question is, can that other department sustain? Is it a temporary right. thing? Culture is so interesting how it can create, mm-hmm. especially in larger organizations, because I think you've brought this up a couple of times. If it's a small company, then culture is usually easier to assimilate because you're probably all in the same room a good portion of the time. But once it gets to be a big company, then each of those departments is sort of like its own company, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where that breakdown can occur, I think, in terms of culture, mm-hmm. for Sure,
1: very much. So, and she, you might also talk to that other leader and see if there's ways that you can work together. I
0: do love that idea of partnering up. That makes sense, right? To sort of get in on the action, so to speak. Bring right. your own team up. That's a great one. Susan says, based on what you've experienced in your career, what do you feel are the three best skills a successful leader should have?
1: Good question. Uh, definitely, you need to be a good coach. This isn't really a skill; it's a philosophy. I believe strongly in being a servant leader. And you have to be able to put yourself out there, be vulnerable and do what's right for yourself and your employees and think about the decisions that you make and how they affect your employees and be willing to stand up for them, for the, your employees and or your decisions when you know they're the right
0: things. Those are great ones. And honestly, it's so rare to find leaders that have those because you really orientated towards that servant leadership model, coaching others, doing what's right for others. I don't understand why more people like that don't end up in leadership roles, right? We're always going to wonder that. (laughs) It's so crazy. All right. I've got a question from Dan. Dan says, is there a diagnostic process to use for assessing a culture when coming in as a new leader? Ooh, good question.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I'm sure there are things out there. I guess I would first want to know, does that company or organization have their own diagnostic? Because you would want to know what they feel is important and be able to get those results and then compare those to what you're actually seeing because they're not always the same. And look at what they say their culture is, their mission, their values, those purpose. Do those things all line up? Are you seeing people, employees, leaders, everyone living it every day?
0: That makes sense. In fact, for those of you that didn't read Andrea's article, I also think the six things that you outlined, if you don't have a diagnostic, would you agree that that's probably a good place to build some kind of survey or something around to assess on those levels? Very much so. Yes. Thank you. Those are super, super strong. Great question. So next question up from Ellen. Ellen wants to know, when it comes to culture, is there any warning sign that the culture maybe needs to be shifted? So you have a culture, it's been working. How do you anticipate it before it falls apart, I guess, so to speak? And because I think that's true. I think cultures do need to evolve. So I think what she's asking is, is there some signal to you that it might be time to reevaluate?
1: Well, I definitely think, and I keep going back to assessment tools, and there are, you know, not all companies have them sometimes because they're too small or they don't want to spend the money, but there's a wide range of those tools available that you really need to encourage companies to use. And so if you're seeing, you're starting to see those results change, that's a, certainly a good indication. You look at your retention, that's a good indication. Good one, yeah. People leaving, something's wrong. You will see your business goals that you'll see results that aren't trending down there as well. And just the overall morale of the employees, you see it.
0: That's a great one. I didn't even think of that, but the retention one, that's just a warning sign, right? People are leaving
1: for other opportunities. Something's going on culturally. So true. We saw this and that was one of our metrics was if any of our employees got taken away by other departments in the company, that was a positive.
0: Yeah, I totally get it. So Bill is asking a question. What do you do when the company's had a devastating blow? Something's happened and it sends the
1: cultural reeling. How do you get the culture back on track? Wow, that's a good question. And unfortunately, at my former company, we had two instances of that. Terrible thing that happened with employees. And this was within seven years, of jumped off the balcony. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I will say that because the culture was so strong, we all got through it pretty well, but it was always brought back to the mission and the values, the purpose of that organization that kept that going throughout to the dealing with these terrible events.
0: Isn't it interesting? I mean, that's, I think that question right there tells you why you need culture. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because when a devastating blow happens, you know, whether it's economic or something like that, and you don't have a culture, you've got nothing to hang on to. Right. That's fascinating. So this has been great. I want to give you the final word before we end today. But before we do that, Andrea, where can everybody find you, connect with you, network with you?
1: Please connect with me on LinkedIn, as well as obviously within the work at Daily. Fantastic. Great. So with
0: that in mind, we always give our guests the final word. What's your final thought, piece of advice that you want everyone
1: to take away with today? Well, I hope you have seen how passionate I am about culture and I want everyone to be the same. Culture is everything. You can only have those great financial results for so long. It's all about the people, people are the most important assets, and you have to keep your employees happy. And the building the right culture, being able to continually look at ways to improve it and innovate it is the way to make your business successful.
0: I 100% agree with you. (laughs) It's fantastic. Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for stopping by today. Another executive insider in the books. And until next time, remember what we tell you when it comes to executives being successful. If you want to win, you've got to work it daily. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Executive Insider. If you want to learn more about Work It Daily and how we can help you with your career or job search, visit WorkItDaily.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. Don't forget to check out WorkItDaily.com slash podcast to get access to the resources and links mentioned in today's episode. Those can be found in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening, and I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode of Executive Insider.